Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to Love Yourself Fiercely. Today, we have an amazing woman. Alicia Johnson is here to talk about her beautiful business model, which I might be a bit biased being a single mom in the past, but her she is the CEO and founder of Solo Mom Strong. Welcome, Alicia. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So tell us, I gave just a Coles notes version there, but tell us a little bit about your business and who you serve and your mission. So my business is centered around supporting single moms, being a single mom for almost 15 years now. um, It's super close to my heart. So helping them to get out of that overwhelm and being stuck in the mom guilt because being a single parent is not like okay in society Mm -hmm. for the uh, most part. And so after, you know, doing health and fitness for a while, this became more of a passion to help moms kind of get out of that place that I wish I would have had somebody years ago to help me get out of. Yeah. I think that's why it, I, that's, I think that's why I love it so much because when I found myself as a single mom and trying to, you know, I'm a bit of a strong personality. So I was like dead set against becoming quote unquote, the stereotype, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. assumes that just because you're young and just because you're single mom, that um, you won't be successful. You'll go through the struggle. But I think the part that I love the most is that you teach single moms to embrace their power, right? And get Mm -hmm. out of those expected roles of overwhelm, the expected roles of stretched thin and burnt out. And yes, as a solo parent home, those things are bound to happen. But I love that you're empowering them to take control of their lives and put themselves first. And also by doing that, uh, teaching their babies a better way. So I I commend you for that. I love what you do. Thank you. Yeah. And the other The other part of that is teaching them that it's okay to be a single parent. Mm -hmm. Don't need that partner to make your life and your family complete. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's just so much out there that says the complete opposite of that. And instead of empowering women to be strong and capable and live their best life independently, we're raising society raises little girls to believe that without a husband or a partner, they are incomplete. So I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, tell us yours, a bit of your story about how and when you decided that self-love had to be at the forefront of all that you do. It came because like I mentioned earlier, I was doing a health and fitness business for oh gosh close to four years and like through a lot of that it was self-care but the self-love wasn't still wasn't strong like I was so focused on just the physical taking care of myself um, through that time and there just felt like there was something missing and 
I started into uh, personal development and recognizing that, wait, there is something really big that I'm missing mm-hmm. of this. And it came down to be self-love and that self-worth and really looking at the inner part versus just the physical health part. Like that is only one, you know, part of making us whole and mm-hmm. happy. Yeah, I love that. Um, and so starting on that and it really opened up a whole nother world for me personally, but then it's carried over into my business because we, I think, especially as women, we neglect that a lot because we pour into everybody else. And so really recognizing that pouring into myself and loving myself first is really the most important thing for me to be able to teach that to myself and my girls. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you nailed it on the head right there when you said that, you know, taking care of yourself, that physical piece is only one part. I think mm-hmm. that mind, body, and soul combined self-care acts or acts of self-care for your body, for your mind, and for your soul makes it complete. And through all of those things, what you're saying is what I believe to be true is that's really when we can start to unlock, you know, our core wounds and really start to identify where we've neglected our own self-love and where we have pain tied to our self-worth and start to do the work. And then it becomes from the inside out. Yes. You know, and that is such a huge piece. Um, And I too, I'm sure you and I have said this before, but I too started in the health and fitness business. And it was like a game changer for me because it was probably the first time in my life. I was also a single parent at that time that I had been introduced to personal development. And I had also carved out the space for the first time in four years of parenthood to take care of my body and to take care of myself and put myself first. And I think the common theme for everybody who has the same story, which I love, by the way, is uh, that what we recognized through that journey was that taking care of ourselves was really, really the, the missing link to taking care of our kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Really- when we show up for ourselves first, when we fill our cups first, we overflow into them. And, um, and yeah, it, I think it's amazing that you've taken everything that you've learned and embodied it in your business as have I, because that, beginning, those beginning phases really did set the foundation, at least for me on what it is that I want to teach women in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, that brings up something I actually kind of recognized recently that is kind of another, it goes to this self-love and self-worth um, topic in a little bit different way. Um, Cause there, there was a situation with a toddler being super, super just, we call it defiant, but mm-hmm. I was looking at it and recognizing as toddlers, like they don't necessarily recognize that things are wrong and like we shouldn't do certain things because they don't have that societal influence. Mm-hmm. And so instead of looking at them just being defiant, they're simply stating how they feel and standing up for what they want. But we, and I think that's where like 
as adults, then we're like, well, but I shouldn't do that because that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Teach that so early on that, well, no, you have to do what everybody else does. But it's toddler. So like, well, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> it's you're absolutely right. It's so true that, you know, I, I, I've done it. I think every parent's done it. We very quickly as our kids start to become little people, we are very strict on, on what's appropriate quote unquote, and what's not. And some of that is about safety. And some of that is about structure, but a lot of it is really just us falling in the trap of we shouldn't act that way. But to speak to what you're saying is why shouldn't we ask for what we want? Why, why shouldn't we be firm in what feels right for us? And I, I, especially with my second child, I've, we talk about toddlers being pretty clear on what it is that they want. And with my second child, I've been really aware about allowing him to explore and be free in his expression more than I I would say I did with my daughter because of what I've learned, which Mm -hmm. I think is just mirroring what you're saying. We've learned that we spend so many years of our life living in the, the societal expectation and the social conditioning, and we're unlearning that as adults. So I've been really cognizant this time around to allow that exploration and really make safety a priority in terms of the, the rules, right? Mm-hmm. In hopes to break the cycle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's so big. It's, it's so much harder to unlearn it as an adult. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Speaking of unlearning, um, tell us a little bit, like tell me a little bit about maybe just one thing that really stands out for you along your journey that you think has been fundamental in your growth in terms of the unlearning? I would say probably the one that stands out the most, partly because I've had the most conversations, um, probably some of the hardest conversations around it too. Um, And I mentioned it earlier, and this is why I teach it now, is the social norm of family structure. Mm. Like we, I mean, my parents have been married for 40 plus years. So they're very set in that two parent structured household. And that's how their families were. And, you know, it's such a generational thing for them, but recognizing and unlearning that like, at least for me, that is not what makes me happy and complete. And it led to finally a conversation with my dad of telling him, I don't plan on getting married right now. Like mm-hmm. that's something that is in my realm of, I want to do that. And I just need you to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he kept, he would ask so many times. And even though, you know, I've been in a relationship for a number of years, but marriage is not something that's for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about, I I love that. I I love that. And I think that any single mom listening to this resonates with that on some level, you know, the, the maybe backlash is the wrong word, but the concern from family members when a relationship breaks down, especially when there's children involved 
and this, you know, immediate response to fix it or rebuild or find somebody new to, to be that father figure or other parent figure for your children. Um, it's a, it's a hard thing to navigate as a single mom to not only be going through your own, you know, emotional battles of navigating parenthood on your own, but to also then have to have conflict with the people you love the most around what you believe is best for you and your children. I know it was certainly something that I've gone through um, as well. And yeah, what an extra layer to that whole thing. It it honestly started when my parents first found out that I was getting divorced because they were actually upset with mm-hmm. me. Um, and that like, they are the people that I'm closest to in my life. Mm-hmm. So that was really, you know, I, I was going through my own struggles and to have to go through that as well. Um, Cause you know, they're again, they're that two parent household that you need to work it out for the kids. And that just was not, it was not healthy. Mm-hmm. It actually led to a really like, it still gets me emotional when I think about it because I left um, because of the emotional um, and mental abuse that I was going through. And my oldest daughter was in a relationship. She was mm, 16, somewhere around there. Um, and it started out fine, but then he started getting super controlling. But because she had seen what I went through and what I did, she broke up the relationship saying, this is not for me. I do not mm. be treated that way. How, how much of a full circle moment was that for you to solidify that you knew that you did what was right for your girls, that you made that decision every day, every day, so that you know that they're strong enough to do this and stand up for themselves. And what a powerful moment as a mom. That's amazing. Even now. I mean, oh, five, six years. Like it's Mm -hmm. super curious and emotional because it really did solidify the right choice. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, not everyone's going to agree with what we're saying on this episode and that's okay to each their own. But Mm -hmm. I happen to very much agree with you there that when you know in your heart that something isn't right, that we have a responsibility to put what we need first so that we can then empower our children to stand up for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's the same as when we were talking about that unlearning piece. And I said, I was trying to do it differently with my second, you know, it's that same principle that as we, the more we know, the better we can do and the better mm-hmm. we can do, the better off they are. And this podcast is about inspiring and empowering women to stand up for what they want, to put their self-love at the forefront. And your story is truly, truly the epitome of that, because it's okay to do things your way. It's okay to raise your kids on your own. And the most important part for me is that you were strong enough to say, this is not right for me. 
and, mm-hmm. and you were young at the time, you were quite young when, when you left and to do that young and on your own and be firm in your belief and not waver. I mean, I commend you really, I do. Mm-hmm. I definitely can't say I didn't waver because it took me two years mm-hmm. to, to finally leave. Um, Cause I had never prior to that, I had never lived alone. I went from living with my parents to living with my husband mm-hmm. and having kids So to, you know, say I'm going to be living in my own place and financially taking care of it, doing everything was the scariest thing in my life at that point. Mm -hmm. But I had two girls that I had to show, you know, what was truly best for all of us. Yeah. Yep. And to show them that what matter, what feels right for them is the most important thing always. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love that you're seeing the fruits of the, that labor now as your girls are older. It's, it's been incredible. Um, and my other one, like <laughs> they're both in college now and I, I laugh and joke that I have no idea how they turned out as good as they did. <laughs> but then I look back at all the things that I taught them and the independence that I instilled at them, with them, some of it out of necessity, but also, you know, out of recognizing the need for it um, from a young age, it has given them the skills and the um, confidence to be able to do those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're off at college. They're not staying, like, they wanted to, you know, take that next step and explore somewhere else whereas I feel like um, kids who don't necessarily um, get that encouragement to be independent and strong like they don't feel safe doing that kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah uh, confidence is I think you're absolutely right there's a different level to out of necessity in some in some ways but also you know, just the seeing and learning and modeling of the behavior that they have in their home all the time, that the adult behavior in the home all the time, they become these strong little people who are fearless. And to relate this back to the podcast, so many of us are unlearning all of the patterning so we can become that. And also so many of us are entrepreneurs and to instill that piece in our kids too, I think is so powerful to give them the belief system that they don't have to live in societal confines, right? They can have the family structure that they, that feels right for them. They can make the post-secondary decisions that feel right for them. They can make the, you know, lifelong decisions of how they choose to live fearlessly and confidently because we're modeling that for them. And, and I think that that is, I, I think at the end of our lives, if we do nothing else from this day forward, we would be, we would be happy with what we provided. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, okay. Tell us a little bit about limiting beliefs. Cause this is a topic that not everybody or that nobody gets out of here without answering. <laughs> <laughs> um, what limiting belief still comes up for you when you are navigating into it an up level or you're starting something new or doing something scary and how do you rewrite the narrative to to combat that limiting belief 
now versus when you first started to address them? My biggest one is that I that's I've done a lot of work on, but it still comes up, especially, um, I mean, even as recent as, yes, Thursday, Thanksgiving, um, is being successful at what I'm trying to do. So getting whatever goal it is to get through the struggles to get to that. Mm -hmm. um, and I know, you know, years ago, like, I would just be like, well, I can't do that. So I'm not even going to try. And now, you know, when that, when that limiting belief comes up, I'll acknowledge it. Like, that's the first thing that I've, I've recognized I need to do is recognize that, okay, yeah, I get that that's coming up and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But then also recognizing that everything that I have gone through up to this point, I've made it through. I had no idea how I was going to be a single parent and I did it and I have been very successful at it. Mm -hmm. I've, you know, lost jobs and been like, I don't know how I'm going to make it, but I did. So like, there's so many things that I have, you know, not been sure about, but I have made it. Mm -hmm. um, so shifting that when I do, when that limiting belief does come up um really quickly now it it brings me back to well, I can I can do what I really want to do if I put my mind to it yeah absolutely just reminding yourself of everything that you've done in your life that felt scary or hard mm -hmm. right that I don't know how this is going to happen and then um just figuring it out just doing the damn thing to get to where you want to go. Right. It's so true. It's so true because I can't tell you how many of my clients talk about the, how they get stuck in the, how, right. I don't know how I'm going to do that. That doesn't feel possible. It feels mm -hmm. so far-fetched and I always ground them into that same thing. Well, what have you done in your life up until this point that at one point you didn't know how to do, mm -hmm. which is like literally everything. We didn't know how to sit. We learned to sit and then we crawled and then we crawled and then we walked and then we walked and then we ran and then we learned, you know, our, we're, we're human beings are remarkable. And so just, I love that that's where you go to the basics. Like I literally have figured everything out in my life up until this point. This is no different. Mm -hmm. All right. One last question before we wrap this up. What is the one thing you are most proud of yourself for on your journey to self-love? Getting to the point where I can now literally look myself in the mirror and say that I am successful and amazing and beautiful and I don't care what anybody else thinks. Mm -hmm. Part of why I share some of the things that I do now because if somebody doesn't like it, well, then that's okay. Yep. I love that. I love that so much. Ugh, that's going to resonate with so many of my listeners. Just getting to that place where you are enough, worthy and enough, just as you are in this very moment, simply because you are you. I love it. That is like the end goal for all of us. If my audience wants more of what you have, and I'm sure they will, tell us what you have coming up 
you know, in the new year or what's going on now and where they can find you on the social medias? So I am currently um, in the process of doing a round of my signature super mom syndrome solution program. Um, it'll be the last one for 2020, but I'll be for sure doing another one early 21 um, because I, I, I love this pro like <laughs> I can't say enough about it because it really the goal of this program is to one create more time which every mom needs more time yep um two <laughs> get rid of some of the stress in your life because we all have enough stress yep and bring more joy into your life because we all need more joy I love that so much that's so great um, and that's the super mom syndrome. What is it? Super mom syndrome solution. Perfect. Um, and I know that you love IG as much as I do, but is that your favorite platform for people to find you? Yes, that is my main for my coaching business. Okay, perfect. So I will link your um, social media links in the show notes. And all of my people will run and follow, like, and follow. And for those who got to the end of this episode, thank you so much today for taking time out of your day to put your self-love at the forefront of all that you do, grow and evolve, and just take a minute for yourself. I really appreciate you being here and I can't wait to see you on the next one. <laughs>